Hi. This is before. What? Okay. Let me start that over. (laughs) Why did you just laugh in the middle? Because I just like forgot the name of our podcast for a second. (laughs) We are keeping that in the recording. (laughs) Okay. Hi, and welcome to Before We End. I am one of your hosts, Ty, and I do things and sometimes make YouTube videos and I have 31 subscribers now. So mm. booyah. Booyah. Um wow. what about you? <laughs> Hi, um stranger here. Um my <laughs> name is Shelly and um I've just been like reading and writing and having a good time, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're definitely uh, like putting on a show for our neighbors right now because we're recording on oh, the balcony. Um, Do you think they'll be mad at us? Sometimes they get annoyed when we make too much noise on the balcony. Oh, they've gotten annoyed at us? No, not annoyed, but like they'll give me like a look and I'll be like, oh, oh and then I'll like leave or something. Yeah. I feel like it's fine. It's just, yeah. They're not there right now, though, right? Okay, cool. I don't know, because it's like they're shaded. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Continuing on. Yeah. I don't know. I think we're just giving them free entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> a live show, if you will. Yeah. Anyway, so today we're going to be talking about Olivia Rodrigo, and we're going to be talking about the end of the fucking world. <laughs> Two subjects very related to each other. Um... <laughs> I feel like they're, they actually can be related to each other. I, I mean, I bro, I can make a connection with anything. I'm sure that mm-hmm. there's a connection. Um, yeah. Um, but first of all, do you want to check in? Yeah, or... just have a little chat. I was I wrote down some things um, mm-hmm. while I was at the gym that um, I was thinking about. Um, a lot of them were related to being in the gym. <laughs> okay. I feel like the gym is a really weird experience, and I feel like I've been like deciding how I feel about it lately because I think that like there's something I forgot who was talking about this but like I don't know they're just explaining like how I don't know sometimes the gym is a very dehumanizing experience because it's like you're doing these very like robotic motions with your body on these machines and it's different if you're like exercising when you're like playing sports or like having fun or like doing something that feels like more dynamic and using your body in kind of a creative way but like the gym is very like do this one motion so muscles grow like it's very like boom 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 like it's not like your body is a machine like exactly (laughs) it feels very yeah Yeah. it feels very robotic in a lot of ways um i think it was hitomi who said that no i don't think it was but we i definitely also heard this so i know that like it might have been like on the same podcast someone maybe maybe yeah maybe oh yeah i think that was yeah okay anyways um but yeah so i've just been like thinking about that a lot and mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like also there's, like, I feel like I'm so hyper aware of the male gaze in the gym. Like, I feel like that's the strongest Mm -hmm. that I'm hyper aware of. Well, maybe not the strongest. But, yeah. So, it's just been, like, weird. And I also feel like, yeah, also someone was wearing this shirt that was, like, I don't know. It was one of those, like, like workout t-shirts that was, like, out, be yourself. Or, like, 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 like outdo yourself like they're like they're like inspirational workout shirts yeah but they're like really like intense and like just like whoa oh yeah yeah. let's just like take a break (laughs) um 
And there was a lot of those shirts there today, so I was just like, okay, this is oh, a lot. Really? <laughs> I know. I was just, like, inundated Maybe with, like, do, you, do, do better than your best, you know? You, and I was like, okay, that's a lot. Do you think, like, those shirts all, like, they all buy them from the same place? No. I feel like there's probably a... Probably not, right? I feel like there's a huge demand for those shirts, probably, <laughs> so there's, like, multiple suppliers. That's so funny. Because it's just, like, why do you have to outdo yourself? Like, you can just... just do yourself like, <laughs> like, 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 maybe do yourself like no not like masturbation like i mean like you know like um i mean i i hate quoting her but you know tahani from the good place is like uh, i i'd say i'd outdo myself but i'm always like this so i simply did myself <laughs> <laughs> Yo, wait, that's so good. Yeah, it's very inspirational. That's so inspirational. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, she- <laughs> that's really funny. Um, anyways, what's what's some things that have been going on? Um, you? I don't know. I think like um, we started recording late today because I took a nap. Because it's not even that I took a nap; it was more like my body involuntarily decided to fall asleep. That kind of vibes because I just know that my period's gonna come like tomorrow. Cause, I feel um, that too. Because literally, I have this headache that I know um, that even though I took a Tylenol, it's not gonna go away somehow. And I'm, like, feeling tired. My back is starting to kind of ache. And also I'm getting this impulse to suddenly make a lot of chocolate chip oatmeal cookies. That's um, really funny. And it's just, I, because maybe my magnesium levels are already dropping. I don't know. Like, As we speak, <laughs> the magnesium levels are yeah. dropping. Even if, even if they haven't, like come out yet in blood form like i just I, maybe there's already dropping to the right yeah. yeah um i actually had a question mm-hmm. that i wanted to ask as like a check-in before we talk about olivia rodrigo yeah um it's a little bit it's not a weird question but okay. like maybe it's weird i was just like interested in yeah um your answer but my question is when have you felt or when do you feel the most attractive oh that's I don't know if I can answer that right now. Wait, give me a second. Um, mm, I think um, right after I've roasted someone. <laughs> That's so specific. Well, I thought you were asking for something no, specific. No, no, I'm though. like that's good, but I'm like yeah. that's so specific. That's really yeah. niche. Oh, it's it is niche. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, I mean, that's also the first thing that popped up into my head I think as well. Like, I don't... Uh, there's definitely some... No, but yeah. I see that because it's, it's also, like... I feel like feeling your most attractive is often just, like, a confidence thing. And so I feel like yeah. after you've, like, really pwned someone, you're, like... <laughs> you're feeling, yeah. like, super hot. Yeah, you, like... After you pwn someone, you feel like poning someone. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, um... But yeah, I think like um, my top. Actually, there's like two things that came to mind, but one of them I don't like as much as an answer because I feel like it's like maybe unhealthy. I don't know because like basically, um, well, I think that like it's just like my s- strengths. So like my top two moments when I feel most attractive is like after I've roasted someone or <laughs> after I've therapized someone. <laughs> and it's because i'm good at those things and also because people tend to 
be attracted to me more after I've done either of those things to them, which is obviously very unhealthy, more on their part, I guess, than my part. But um, I guess there's something to say about like me like volunteering in that space. There's something that. a little sexy yeah. about a takedown. People <laughs> like get attracted to that. Yeah, um, I think like well, yeah. I mean, I've talked about this several times. Um, Mostly in the first year, it would happen a lot. Like, um, where uh, you took I down would, a lot of people in the first like, year, or, or like you know, I also would, like, I just uh, love saying pwned. I just it's such a like eleven is, year old boy thing to say that I'm just like, what I is the exact you. definition of pwned? like I owned you? I think. Oh, okay, that's so funny. I don't think I've actually heard that phrase like before you said that. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, or maybe I've heard it in like some kind of kids movie. I'm sure I've heard it in a kids movie. Um, wait, so, yeah, so, basically, I feel like I would just, like, go to house parties, and then, like, I would either, um, some person, usually, like, a guy, and usually a white guy, would, like, be attracted to me more after I've, like, said something that roasted them, or, like, and it's really easy to roast them, and, like, (laughs) and then, uh, or either after it's, I'll just, like, just sit down somewhere someone will approach me suddenly tell me about all of their problems and then i'll be like just really supportive um even be like and, i love you and they'll be like yeah i love you do you want to make out and i'm like you just told me about your trauma like no <laughs> like um That's funny and sometimes it's not even that I, and the funny thing is that it's not even that i like tried to like actually therapize them it's like that i was just a supportive person and yeah like i was doing the bare minimum like for me but i guess like so, uh, other people like y'all maybe... some people's bare minimum is in hell so it's like yeah yeah no i feel that i think that like i feel like there is and maybe that's not it but like i often feel like when i'm in the zone depending on like whatever the thing is mm. like i feel like that's when i feel the most attractive and mm-hmm. i think that like I mean, it's similar to kind of what you were saying. Like, I feel like both of these those things are, like, things that you are quite good at and, like, can really, like, tap into and, like, yeah. get in the zone for. And yeah. then I feel like it becomes, like... Because I feel like you also, like, get out of your thinking mind in a way, you know, when you really, mm-hmm. like, are in the moment and there's something, like, extremely attractive <laughs> about that. Yeah, yeah. I was, like, thinking for my one that I feel like when I feel most attractive, which is, like, kind of weird, too, is, like, when I'm, like, in, like... um fucking i hate saying this but in like a class discussion and i'm saying a really good i was fucking gonna say point, that too, yeah. and i also look really hot and it's just like the combination of how i know that i'm intellectually and physically stimulating everyone <laughs> in the room really gets me off <laughs> yeah no seriously i think i feel the same too because i feel like well saying a good point in a class discussion is essentially like roasting someone yeah as well so um uh, not maybe directly, sometimes directly also, when you're like, no, that point was wrong, like, um, but anyways, like, that also, like, just makes me feel very good, yeah. Yeah, I, DK. Okay, mm-hmm. let's talk about Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, um, well, I also wanted to say, like, I mean, I like that both of our things is, like, not, like, physically yeah. centered, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like also a lot of times, like, attractiveness is, like, a mentality, <laughs> you know? Like, I I think that, like, 
there are people oh it so is yeah. yeah like i feel like when you're at your most magnetic to other people mm-hmm. um is usually when i feel like people find me more attractive or even yeah. i find myself more attractive and i think that's more of the point yeah yeah um but yeah anyways olivia rodrigo <laughs> Um, do you have anything initially to say, or... I have some points. Um, I think uh, maybe I want to let you go first, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's a lot to say about my babe, Olivia. <laughs> um, but I think what really struck me, actually, when um, her, like, album in full came out, and, you know, like, I was just, like... Like, I feel like I'm not, like, a super fan, but, like, I don't know. She's just, like, a cute girl, and I feel like I, like, have always, like, really respected her. And so then when her album came out and I was listening to it, something that, like, I felt, like, was, like, a weird, like, um, moment for me was realizing that I didn't relate to it. Felt super comforting in a way because it kind of just, like, it felt like a testament in a lot of ways to, like, my own growth in a sense where it was like I could listen to the album and I felt like you know I could enjoy it as like a piece of art but Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like emotionally attached to it in the same way that like I feel like I would have been emotionally attached to it if I listened to it when I was like 18 or something Mm -hmm. and like there's a, a lot of ways in which like I see my younger self in this album like reflected in this album and it's just like the fact that I feel like I don't I can't relate to it on a, like, real, on a real emotional level, kind of, like, felt like, oh, like, it was just, like, a moment where I was, like, reflecting on my own progress and almost, like, Mm -hmm. where I could see my progress as a person. (coughs) But it's a good album. Yeah, it is. I liked it. That's also, like, oh, you good? Okay. Um, It's, like, interesting because I feel like even, like, uh, just the marketing of the album, like, it, like... I feel like it was marketed more as like an angry, bitter album, and then it turned out not to be as much um, because like the progression of the album, like in order, like it gets, uh, it's sort of like a journey of healing, more like um, just like mm. anger, bitterness, like all the time, and then like you know by the time you get to, I think it's hope you're okay, like yeah, um, you like uh, yeah, start feeling like um, very like peaceful about about it um and olivia has also said the same thing uh, like you yeah. said about how yeah. like, she she like uh doesn't feel like the same emotions as the album anymore now that it's like been released and like yeah. it's been a few months maybe two a year i don't know yeah 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 and and that all being said i think that there is something really powerful in that album about like girl rage if that makes sense oh god yeah and like i mean it definitely like has a lot of like um like punk aesthetics and like like avril lavigne kind of vibes like influences Mm -hmm. and you know like i just like think that like kind of like bringing back that kind of like punk rageness like in like with like Olivia Rodrigo doing this like as a really young teenage girl is kind of cool and I feel yeah. like it's like there is like a really a lot of coolness and just like really owning rage is a really powerful and like 
intense emotion. Yeah. And you really feel it, like, come through in the album. And it's, like, fun. Like, it's really fucking fun. Yeah, it is fun. And it's, like, fun to, like, um, you know, actually, like, not name the person. She didn't, like, name the person in the album. But, you know, like, everyone knows. (laughs) And, like, you know, just, like, I don't know, like, knowing, like, the target of this rage, I guess. And, like, that's really powerful, too. too. And just... Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's, I really like all of the lines that are really savage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fuck, what's that one line that was like about like getting him a therapist? That's my favorite line too. It's so which good. Is That's... probably because we're both in therapy. But like... uh, what's <laughs> what's uh, it called? It's, uh, it's like uh, it's in good for you. It's like um, oh my god, I'm gonna look this up oh right my god, now because yeah, I used to remember me. it, but then like um, I, it oh, I bet the therapist I found for you really helped or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and it's like so. Yeah, it's just like, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, like, that's, like, really... <laughs> yeah. Boom. Yeah, and then also, like, my friend was telling me that her friend, like, she has lit- uh, has literally found, like, three therapists for the th- last three guys, like, she dated or something like oh that. Oh, my God. Like, Y'all, um, we are raising these men. <laughs> we we're raising yeah. these boys. And, like, wh- and some of them weren't... I mean, I don't think any of them were actually even, like, relationships either. They were, like, fuck buddies or something. I don't know. It's, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, my healing is not for free. Yeah, <laughs> I have to pay me at this point. Um, <laughs> to be fair, I don't know. Like finding someone a therapist is, I guess, like better than being their therapist. Yeah, no, it which... is. Yeah, trust me, it is much better than being someone's therapist. <laughs> God, yeah. Um, but yeah, mm. um, yeah, and in general, I think we were kind of talking about this before, before, but. I think even in the way that the whole album is marketed, there's a very, like, interesting way in which which is trying to, like, sell girlhood. I'm so sorry. There's, like, a squirrel trying to come up on our balcony. We had an incident where um, bird seeds, like, spilled onto our balcony, and so now our balcony has been low-key infested with um, Mm. squirrels. Yeah, I mean, we cleaned most of it up, so I'm sure it'll just leave. <laughs> it's like coming back for more. I feel like I used to like think squirrels were cute, and now I'm just terrified. Probably because Montreal squirrels just like look a certain way. <laughs> Yo, they have a crazy look in their eyes, and they're also massive. They're massive. Yeah, they're huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the ca- squish. <laughs> Wait, they're just like squishing against My cat is staring at the squirrel through the window and she's like, I don't know, like pushing her head onto the screen. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um. Do you want to finish your thoughts, Slash? Do you remember your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of talking about the slumber party aesthetic, sleep slash sleepover aesthetic. I don't know if there's a coin name for it, but. Yeah. Well, um, Melissa Lozato Liva wrote this article on. The Harper Bazaar or the Bazaar Harper? I think it's the Harper Bazaar. <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. Um, and she kind of coined it as sleepover core, and I don't think right. it has been named that way by other authors, as far as I know. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's really interesting because they're, you know, there's like a sense in which like they're trying to like market girlhood in a specific way, and 
you know, be able to kind of, like, create this sense of, like, authenticity and, like, almost like a bedroom aesthetic where it's, mm. like, this is just a girl in her room writing these songs, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, when I'm sure Olivia has a big marketing team around her. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it's really interesting in the ways that I, I feel in which girlhood is marketed. And I think that I actually don't even, like, I really like it. Like, I think that, like... Yeah. There's something, because I feel like in a lot of ways, like, you know, teenage girls are really sexualized, and so I think, I don't know, I guess sleepover girl could be kind of sexualizing, but, like, yeah, there is but... something very, like, innocent and sweet and private about it in a lot of ways. Yeah. I don't know. And I think it's, like, sort of, um, I think it's powerful, or, like, it comes off as more powerful because the assumption is like this whole kind of like revenge plan was like brewed in a sleepover in her bedroom right like uh, with like little ingredients like a lot of sleepover core is like collage collaging like with like like, collaging as an art form already like requires little ingredients or like ingredients that or sorry materials that you already have like just like scissors and magazines that you already have or like you know yeah and like there's a way in which it like really um yeah I don't know it kind of like reclaims this type of like I don't know like crazy girl like it's just Mm. like you know I feel like especially with the collage aesthetic it's very much like it's it's, like manic like yeah it's it's like ripping apart photos of like collaging it like it's the burn book it's like the burn book it's the burn book (laughs) yo why the fuck did I not make that Uh, connection yeah she actually um Melissa says that in the article it's as she mentions the burn book and like I feel like you wouldn't necessarily see, like, Regina George as part of the sleepover core, probably because she, like, is, you know, the villain of the story, so, like, I get, I don't know, maybe that's, like, why, but, like, yeah, it is the burn book, and, like, um, like, like, if you think about it, it is so powerful that, like, her just, like, collaging a bunch of photos, like, um, and, like, you know, manically, like, writing things down with markers onto a book, like, um, cause this whole like school shamble like in the end of the movie yeah you know? yeah there's something like there's a way in which like regina held a lot of power oh yeah i was also really interested too i think this is like maybe a little bit of a, an aside from olivia rodrigo but i've just been thinking a lot in general about like you know like mean girls and stuff like that and even like yeah, like, Mean Girls and Girl Rage mm-hmm. as, like, manifested within Mean Girls. And it's, like, really interesting because, um, you know, it's this, like, per- like this person in society, like, a young girl, teenage girl, who has, like, not a lot of agency or power wielding throughout so- in society. And so, like, in their own way, they try to access the power that they can, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, a very, like, interesting character because I feel like it's not, like, granted a lot of, like, sympathy or understanding. But it really is, like, you know, a ways in which I feel like young girls are trying to, like, you know, access some forms of power and to, like, manifest their rage in, like, these ways and, like, yeah, they're probably in, like, harmful ways and, like, misguided, but I think it, like, mm-hmm. also just, like, shows an incredible, um, an incredible amount of, like, intelligence and social awareness to be able to emotionally manipulate people, to be able to, like, read social situations yeah. and to be able to wield those levels of power. And I think with Regina George, like, I feel like 
even though it is kind of like a funny character and obviously she's the villain of the story like there's ways in which like I feel like when I first watched it I was in awe with how powerful she was you know and like in her own way because she was so powerless in society as a figure she like found ways to access her own type of power yeah like god I love the portrayal of like you know passive aggressive ways that girls can fight with each other or like like, (laughs) manipulate each other in like mean girls and like other movies and medias but like you know like my favorite line is like you know the like uh oh so you so you met you think you're pretty like that it's like (laughs) it's just like it's so good it's so good and like um i just feel like there's a lot of ways that like you know girls fight and like to other people like can look like a very nice conversation and like or like not even girls but just like any like woman and but then like you as any woman hearing it's like (gasps) like i how dare she say that like you know and i kind of love it like i love that there's like a secret language um and i think like you're right like the obviously mean girls happen because it's like the few spaces that they can like hold a lot of power but then um, I feel like it's also they're like so much more villainized when um, I guess they get exposed as a mean girl as well. Like I think Olivia Rodrigo, like um, and several other like Steve Overcore, like girl rage aesthetic people, like they're not the villain of the story, right? Yeah. They're like um, the hero or the victim, and uh, but then like part of the message for like regina george or other characters like that uh, is that they get so vil- villainized and not ha- get sympathy towards them at all um yeah. when they're exposed for yeah. sure yeah and i think that the ways in which olivia rodrigo is manifesting rage is definitely in a lot more healthier ways than i feel like rage gets manifested within girls yeah. who are mean but mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, It comes from a very similar pa- place, like, feeling really small in this world and, like, trying to, like, yeah, you know, like, deal with this, like, boiling, huge, humongous rage you feel inside of you, but also feeling really, really small in a lot yeah. of ways. And, like, obviously not to say that um, we always need to be compassionate to, like, mean girls. Yeah, like, like, like yeah. Because, no. uh, like, I was bullied by mean, mean girls, like, when I was in high school and, like, younger, like, and, like, um, obviously what they did was, like, horrible, but I did also, like, learn later on in life that, like, uh, they were going through, like, really, really tough things at the time, and not to say that that's an excuse, but in some ways they were even, like, like, the pain that they had inflicted on me was only like a part of the pain that they were like experiencing experiencing. yeah 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 um did you want to talk about the whole asian girl thing (laughs) yeah um well like i've been saying that um olivia rodrigo is in a lot of ways just like mitski but for the less indie crowd (laughs) like um and like and to elaborate on that, because sometimes yeah, I don't elaborate on this. Um, and even though I don't really feel that there's elaboration needed, but it's like... It's also for weird. those who don't know Mitski. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, Mitski um, is uh, is an Asian-American artist. Um, she um, 
is I think uh, Japanese or half Japanese, uh, Japanese, I can't really remember at this point. Um, but, um, and she, a lot of her songs, uh, specifically Your American Best Friend, is about like not being enough, like, as, or not feeling enough um, as an Asian girl, and like, specifically like dating white guys. And that's a lot of like what people resonate with Mitski um like or at least uh, what Asian girls like look to Mitski about um and specifically there's like there's like this TikTok audio that like is um a, a few lines from your American best friend and it's like uh like it's like she's the son and like she uh she's the son and like she she in this context is like a white girl is, that she's comparing herself to and then and then she's like i'm not uh, i'm not the sun i'm not the moon i'm not even a star mm-hmm. and and that's like the line that people resonate with a lot um and yeah and i think like um and there's been some like narrative going on about um, like pointing out that like Olivia Rodrigo is like Filipina even though a lot of people don't acknowledge it for some reason and like uh, a lot of her work is actually a lot about being Filipina and feeling compared to a white girl um, but I still think that um, there's not been enough discussion about it um, yeah and I think like in part it's probably because you know you know, in a lot of ways, you do want to give, like, Olivia Rodrigo permission to, like, self-express. Yeah, You know, if she didn't course. explicitly say that that's how she feels, then maybe not impose that. But I, I do think you're right for people who, or, like, her own, like, audience who, you know, has, like, gone through similar experiences. Or even, yeah. like, just, like, feeling, you know, the feeling of, like, always having a white girl picked over you and all these different things. There's ways in which you totally can, like, read that into, you know. Yeah, but I think, like... I don't know, even if she hasn't said that in, like, her interviews or anything, like, I feel like when you watch her music videos, it's, like, very clear that that is, like, what's going on. Like, um, in, like, the Deja Vu music video? I think so. That's the one with, like, the blue dress and, like, the two girls, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, she, um, I mean, like, she did also, some people also guess that, like, she used a model um, who, uh, like, or actor, like, who uh, is like blonde and white like because like she looks like sabrina carpenter like to make that like explicit like uh reference um but i feel like it's also because she wanted to make it clear that like oh no it's because of like specifically being compared um to a white blonde girl is like why i feel this way like Mm. i feel this insecurity more and like and 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 how it like sucks more because it's like um Mm -hmm. and i don't know obviously like i don't want to like project onto how like olivia feels but just Mm -hmm. for the sake of the podcast and analyzing i feel like sometimes i also wonder like if she was even like um if she even liked joshua that much or if she was just feeling as more heartbroken because of the fact that she was uh, feeling compared to a white girl and like or picked over um or sorry the white girl was picked over her and maybe she wouldn't have felt this much bitterness or like uh created this whole album um if it wasn't that situation 
Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Because I feel like, I don't know. Um, no, but, yeah. Young love, like, definitely feels very intense at the time. But there's... But sometimes you have to think about whether that young love was, like, actually love or, like, some kind of projection of something. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, like, honestly, like, a lot of relationships, like, are just projections of, like, yeah. certain insecurities or certain things that you feel. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. And I was saying... um to you before but like no I really feel that I think that like when I had the dream like I had a dream about my ex-boyfriend and he was um, dating a white girl and like I was experiencing in this dream levels of like rage like I was like so angry and like I think that that anger is super real for that and I think that there's definitely ways you can read into it and I really do see what you mean by the deja vu music video I feel like that makes it super apparent especially when they're like wearing the same dress and it's like flicking back and forward between them um yeah 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 it's like a very direct com- like comparison because it's like obviously the only thing that's different is a, like in just that scene of the music video is that like Olivia's brunette and like has darker skin tones like that's the only difference that you can really see like in just in that physical comparison and I feel like that's really important um yeah um I don't know I just feel like if you have the decency you would not um as like an ex of a Asian girl date a white girl afterwards. But then, okay, but Loki, I also feel like it's creepier if you keep dating no, Asian I know, girls. So course, it, like, can't be, like, course. both ways. Because otherwise, I'd be, like, honestly more creeped out if you, like, kept dating people that look oh, like me. Oh, of course. That's yeah. way creepier. Yeah, no, I definitely do think that, I don't know, it's, like, very complicated. I'm, like, but just I, never date anyone ever again. Yeah. <laughs> just... just because, I don't want to know. Because, yeah, because it's just like, and I don't care how st- statistically likely is it for you to date another white girl, like, or something like that. I don't know. Like, just, it's it's a very complicated question because I guess it's like a lose-lose situation. Like, yeah. what would you would, what would you be happy of? I guess, like, the ideally you would just never find out. Yeah, <laughs> no, that would be after. ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something, but I forgot. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we love Olivia Rodrigo. She's yeah. a cutie, and she's really young, so I hope that she's protected in this industry. Yeah, and I don't. I do want to talk a little bit about her like new boyfriend, which is that, I don't know, the, uh, basically she's like uh, dating a guy who's like, I can't remember how old how older he is, like ten years older or something like that. And he's also like, I think a producer in the industry, which I feel like adds another power dynamic as well. I didn't know that. Um, I think so. Um, and uh, obviously, mm-hmm. I think I think definitely like the age gap thing is like complicated and needs nuance. But I also think that, like, I think that people are judging their relationship a lot um yeah from the outside and i think the only thing we know about them is like the photos of them dating <laughs> is all we know really. oh, it's a six year difference six year difference yeah that's the thing and i think it's like complicated because like you could even argue that like when joshua and olivia first met like she was literally like 16 or something and that yeah. was also technically illegal and i think like the 18 like number is like very 
like legal number thingy is like weird and like very arbitrary um not to say that this age gap is like not something to consider but i feel like we just lack context like every everyone like lacks context about this relationship we don't know how we how they met or like how they like started dating or how it actually is like when they're dating but i think the only fact that i know is that he is ugly and i don't approve of that just because of that fact and that's the only thing i know for a fact and i'm that's the only thing i'm gonna judge it by well yeah i feel like also the age gap i yeah i don't know i feel like i'm like trying to not be judgmental about that yeah but it's just like really hard to like trust men that date girls mm-hmm. that are significantly younger than them it's of just course, like yeah suspicious <laughs> it is suspicious but i i do think there's like context lacking oh for um, sure and i think that like it's definitely a case by case basis case by case basis and i just hope that there are people around olivia like close friends and people who can support her um that she can actually listen to the opinion um, instead of just random fans you know yeah i love how like random fans like always just like pretend like they know what's best for you and the way that they like speak to like or about celebrities it's like oh my god i know yeah funny Mm -hmm. um anyways you want to talk about the end of the world (laughs) um sure lovely topic yeah always always down to talk about the end of the world yeah um um but yeah um so we're going to be talking about apocalypse a little bit. I think that, you know, this podcast is obviously really centered around, you know, just apocalypse and endings and worlds. And so I feel like it felt like something that we kind of wanted to, like, get into a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, yeah, just discuss how, like, we understand it and how we see ourselves within these times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you want me to ask you first or do you want to, I think you like encapsulated in words a bit better than me. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, do you want me to ask? <laughs> yeah. So they can hear what this uh, is. Okay. Um, well, uh, well, what does apocalypse mean to you? This is literally a question I manufactured Shelly to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm literally just, like, my. I feel like my tone in asking that yeah, question You're just like, like, okay, yeah, what, yeah, does yeah, what, what, what does apocalypse mean to you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what does it mean to me? Um, this is something that I'm always kind of, like, revising and rethinking about. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, firstly you know, it's important to kind of ground apocalypse in its, like, root Greek word, which means uncovering. And I think that in a lot of ways summarizes what apocalypse is about. It's kind Mm. of like this grand uncovering of things that have been supernaturalized, you know, within our world. Um, And, you know, if apocalypse kind of signals this end of world i don't think it necessarily means that it's the end of everything but the end of this very specific world that is in Mm. process now and i think that like once we reach this point of like 
the end of this world, I think that this is when all of these different truths start to become uncovered about the world. Yeah. And the ways in which the world was built itself, you know, and to talk maybe less abstractly, um, you know, right now, I think feels like a really apocalyptic time, just like, you know, even like with the start of like COVID and just all this crazy shit happening. And it like, we really see this like uncovering taking place in which you really see this kind of collective like awakening to all these different systems and um, you know, even the fact that, like, you know, um, talking about police and prison abolition was, like, a very radical thing to talk about even, like, three years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. And now it's just, like, the standard, the fact yeah. that, like, we're all, like, kind of coming to a collective understanding that, like, you know, prisons and the police are fundamentally founded on legacies of white supremacy and colonization. Um and I think that, like, all of, yeah, all of these different realities that we really have taken for granted are kind of crumbling down and we're kind of seeing them for what they are. Um, if this is a world that was built on slavery and colonization, um, I feel like in a real way we're seeing everything for what it is. And, like, also, like, to be super clear that, you know, apocalypse is a very relative world a word (laughs) Mm -hmm. um that like you know people there have been groups and people who have been you know who have experienced apocalypse who've experienced genocide who experienced their own worlds coming to an end and so just to say that apocalypse is happening now it's also like important to remember that there have been communities who have been going through apocalypse for quite some time now and in a lot of ways, I think those are the people who are best equipped mm-hmm. to handle the end of the world and to like, guide us, um, having already experienced involuntarily their own experience of endings and, you know, being pushed into these really crazy situations. Yeah. Yeah, I like the word, um, like the meaning of the word apocalypse being like uh, uncovering or the old meaning, like origin. Because I feel like a lot of times when people hear about the apocalypse, they're they're just like, "Why? Why now?" Or like, "I or I don't know." Like, uh, this is so random, or something, you know? And, right. And and it's like, no, like the right. the word has like literally been meaning like uncovering, and it's been, revealing like, of what was already yeah, there in the first place. Yeah, and it's like that is what apocalypse literally is, and also like, um, there's like it's a reminder that there's um all of the apocalypses apocalypses like, <laughs> uh, ha- have happened before have always been with a meaning like with a reason and like and um and that like things have been building up to this and it's not just this like one moment of like yeah um, and i yeah. think yeah again what you're saying like i think it really opposes the kind of dominant narrative that we're shown in media about apocalypse you know like the thing you know snap <laughs> yeah like just this like one thing happening yeah. you know like i don't know like zombies or like a tsunami or like, tw- or like yeah 2012 well, like yeah well i mean i guess tsunamis like don't happen for no reason but you know yeah yeah but, like just this one event that yeah, kind of creates this end of the world yeah. and not realizing that you know apocalypse really is this long process that you know 
I would really say when people, you know, ask if like they think that this is apocalypse and if that's like too much of like an intense word to put to these times. But I think that in a lot of ways, it's like, you know, this is just apocalypse in process. It's been in process for a really long time. And I think only now are we clued into it. Yeah. And even with like, you know, things like environmental devastation and the real sense of urgency I think we feel over you know the the planet um I think that like apocalypse really is taking on a new form for our generation and I think that our generation feels apocalypse as real more than any generation before and you know just having to like really grapple with that reality and you know I think that it's it's not like grim or pessimistic to talk about it. I think that it's just very real and what is happening. And I feel like we all need to collectively have these conversations and be able to face it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, there's a certain way that our generation um, also, or part of our generation also like knows it but also doesn't face it um which you will talk about in your no thoughts head empty youtube video i guess plug (laughs) plug um but like yeah i think like it's important to include that conversation here too which is that like i feel like a lot of the narrative um in like our generation specifically kind of in the queer community is like oh like uh it's the end of the world soon so just like text your crush like it's fine like yeah, yeah like, we're what? all gonna die yeah, anyways yeah like like just what is there to risk anyways or something like that which like i mean i kind of sometimes that narrative is helpful because it's like yeah just text your crush but also um it's like is this a good mentality yeah um, I, yeah, continue. and it and it also comes from a very privileged place, right? Because it's like, uh, oh, your response to the apocalypse is just like taking risks and texting your crush or something like that, or I don't know, like being confident. Whereas like other people are like already very much suffering um, and can't just like act that way. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was really yeah. It's really interesting. This kind of way in which no future is really um is really felt within our generation and i think that this like sense of no future is like a weirdly and maybe this is because like my tiktok is more on the like radical tiktok side Mm -hmm. but it's like a very taken for granted reality for a lot of people where it's just like yeah there is going to be no future and like even like people who are like thinking about having kids they're like I don't want to have kids because what if there's no future for them, you know? And I think yeah. the the sense of no future is really interesting to me yeah. because I think just like in a temporality sense, a time sense, it's like, you know, well, they're like, I feel like the past and the future are really just projections yeah. and like we're, they're all kind of intermingled and coexisting within this present moment the present mm-hmm. moment is literally all we have and so it's like you know what does it mean to have no future is it that we just can't feel like we can't imagine futures now and because the future doesn't exist so what does no future mean because mm-hmm. there technically isn't a future because mm-hmm. it's all just like existing now and so i don't know maybe that's too like abstract but i feel like i've just been thinking a lot about 
yeah, like, like, is there a way in which, like, this intense, like, urgency and scariness and overwhelm of all the realities that we're having to face now, like, you know, legacies of slavery and colonization and environmental collapse due to capitalism and just all these really intense things, is that, like, is that, like, kind of, like, giving us this almost, like, crippling inability to, like, imagine futures now and to be able to, like, see ourselves within, like, some or, like, another world that feels freer and better. Um, Yeah, and I guess that's not something I, like, completely know the answer to. Well, I think also, like, one of the ways that I don't like the whole, like, nihilistic, like, no future mentality is that I feel like it makes people give up a lot of the times, too. Like, give up on, like, you know, working for the future, if that makes sense. You know, like, or, like, working to not prevent this apocalypse, but just, like, um, well, I think at this point, um, or at least we agree that it's not that we need to prevent the apocalypse, we need to focus on building a new world and how... And also, um, like, yeah, mitigating the damage that this end of the world will create. Yeah, and also just, like, how can we um, already kind of, like, move into the new world within the apocalypse as well, and, like... um, and I feel like the no future mentality just kind of, well, it takes away responsibility and apoc- accountability, right? Because it's like, oh, no, I'm not going to, uh, uh, like, do all these things because, like, I mean, what's the point anyways? Like, um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, though, um, not to talk about my fucking video essay too much, <laughs> but it is related and what i really found in so basically in this video essay i was analyzing the meme no thoughts had empty and i don't know this kind of like no thoughts had empty as kind of this like i guess like actualization of like this disengagement that we were talking about this mm-hmm. like being overwhelmed so you kind of like approach this like well who cares anyways nothing exists there's no future yeah. um nihilistic kind of mentality um But what I do think is interesting about that reaction for people to just be like, oh, there's no future, why bother kind of thing? I think it is kind of, in a way, pointing to the fact that I don't think the ways in which we're collectively dealing with this apocalypse is, I don't want to say productive, but like is good for like the collective in the sense that like, you know, the ways in which, like, online activism are working is very much based on, like, urgency and a lot of fear in a lot of ways. It's where you're, like, constantly being, like, inundated with all of this information, being, like, this thing is happening, and this thing is happening, and then this thing is happening, and, like, you should be worried about this. And it's just, like, so intensely overwhelming. And so I think that, like, people's, like, natural, you know, urge is to shut down in a lot of ways because they just, like, you know, it, it, it is very... Like, our, our human brains physically just can't deal with the level of compl- complexity and, like, vastness of the, of what is happening in this world right now. And so I think that, like, I do want to, like, say that, like, I get, especially for people of color, I get the desire to shut down. And I think that that is a very, like, natural desire in a lot of ways based on the ways in which, you know, yeah. we're being so inundated by information. But I think that it's, like what that really does clue us into is the fact that we need to be approaching quote-unquote activism or, you know, like, 
understandings of apocalypse in very different ways and be having different conversations, you know? Because yeah. I think that, like, I just, even though it's, like, you, it's important to be informed about this world, I just, I don't know if it's, yeah, I don't know if it's, it's, it's useful for us to constantly being pushed all this information. And I think that we need to be able to, like, I don't know. Does anything yeah. I'm saying make sense? Um, I think it does make sense. But I also think, like, I would actually disagree that, like, I don't think a lot of people of color are actually in this mentality of new future. I think it's mostly white people. Yeah, <laughs> I no, think, I feel um, that. But uh, Sorry, I just want to continue my point, which is that I feel like um, they talk about this in the Shaping the Shift podcast uh, quite a bit, where, like, a lot of uh, people of color, specifically black people, are, like, have been kind of trained for the apocalypse. Yeah. And that's, uh, and have also, like, adapted better to the apocalypse. Adapted is a weird word, maybe, but, like, um, and even when, like, COVID was starting, I feel like, um, although, like, there was more harm done in, like, marginalized communities, but at the same time, the mentalities in the marginalized communities, like, people of color, like, um, were a lot calmer and a lot, like, um, adaptive. And, um, yeah, and I think it's because, like, we've already been experiencing this um, throughout generations or even our own lives. And, um, yeah. No, yeah, and I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, people of color have already experienced apocalypse. Colonialism is oh, an apocalypse, course, yeah. you know? That's, an, that's, like, really literally an end of a world, you know? Yeah. Um, and so there is a way in which, like, you know, again, we're talking about, like, multiple apocalypse have been happening. And there are people who are better adapted to be able to deal and move through apocalypse. Mm-hmm, yeah. And... Yeah, also, um, maybe this is kind of a side note, but, like, I just, I think I just came up with a word to, uh, uh, like, replace productive or useful. Yeah, what's the Um, word? Because I was, like, thinking in my head that, um, I really like the word counterintuitive, and then I was like, wait, why do we... counterintuitive. I know, and because I feel like it's, like, a way to say unproductive without saying unproductive and, like, the connotations of that, Oh, I see what you mean. And, like... But then I was, like, thinking, like, oh, why don't we just say intuitive Wait, <laughs> instead of so productive? Because we say counterintuitive, but oddly enough, the, um, like, antonym of counterintuitive is not intuitive. Or, like, people don't use it like that. What is, like, is there... Is see. there a co- antonym of counter... I mean, I'm sure there are many. I mean, I'm like... actually going to search up the definition of intuitive. I feel like it's more, like, the... Well, like, counterintuitive is contrary to intuition or to common sense expectation. Oh, interesting. And, um, whereas, like, and, but I guess, like, people also don't say it to mean that way. Like, they don't really say counterintuitive to be, like, counter to intuition. But also, like, it it is, like, what we're saying, you know? And I'm just, like... Yeah, maybe it's a time to use intuitive instead of productive. I feel like that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Yeah. Um. I'm sorry. Were you gonna say anything else on the subject? Uh, on the intuitive know, or the apocalypse. Um, on apocalypse, well, um, like, 
Um. No, not really. <laughs> I feel like you're like gearing up as if you're gonna say something, and I was like, and then you're like, <laughs> no. no. I was just like, oh, actually, I was like gonna like say like I don't know, maybe this is like redundant at this point, but like the the astrology of the apocalypse, um, which is like, oh, yeah, yeah, because um, I don't know, maybe everyone's on this side of TikTok, or maybe we're, it's just me <laughs> and you, but like, um, basically, this one astrology TikTok was talking about how like. Um, in 2022 the u.s as like a country like a country has a birth chart also because like there's a date where you know like it became a country um and um they're gonna experience a uh pluto pluto return i couldn't think of the word return not pluto for some reason (laughs) i don't know um and uh and pluto is a planet that like uh orbits like every 250 years or something like that and so like obviously a person wouldn't experience a pluto return but a country can because it lives that long a world can um a world can and uh although i don't know if we can do the birth chart of the world like just the world but you know whoa (laughs) maybe we can like of earth the birth chart of earth i don't think we have a date for that Oh, I guess, yeah. Well, I guess there's been, like, guesstimations. Um, yeah. I also wonder if, like, some... I don't know. Like, this is Anyways, too much. the United is States is experiencing... Gonna yeah. be experiencing their Pluto, Pluto return. Yeah, soon. yeah. And, like, uh, and it's really interesting because, like, Pluto is the planet of, like, your dark side, your shadow side, your kind of... Um, I guess, like... Uh, not talked about self or um, hmm, I wonder what the United States shadow side is. Yeah, and like um, yeah, like not talked about kind of secrets and specifically like you know, I guess I I don't like to say like negative side, but like kind of like flaws I guess um, that needs or like things that need to be addressed basically. And I think um, capitalism is like the shadow side of the United States um yeah. like all a lot of other countries but sp- specifically centering around the, the United States and i guess it's it's kind of exciting and also dreading to see what's going to go down <laughs> when this happens and i think um astrology transits are always like uh, it's never just like this one moment like it's like all it's like the energy of the transit can go um go like before and after um for some time of the transit um like you can feel mercury retrograde uh, even outside of the mercury retrograde like period a little bit Mm. and um and so it obviously the things that we were experiencing the past few even years i would say because like if like if like pluto return is like 250 years obviously the energy around the transit can can be larger uh, than just like a few months so I think we've already been feeling it and gearing up to it Um, and yeah yeah I think too um, in terms of thinking about like you know like minimizing the damage that really does come around with like the end of worlds and apocalypse Mm -hmm. I was at like um I was at this, like, one event, and, fuck, I can't remember this person's name. They explained, they explained it really beautifully in terms they were, and they were explaining it, like, 
it's almost as if like our systems are like this triangle right like it's Mm -hmm. this like hierarchy and so she was just like we need to create a circle around the triangle so that when it falls we're able to catch people that's nice and it was really beautiful the way that she explained it and i think that like that that feels exactly how i guess i'm kind of trying to understand what it means to move through apocalypse like how are we able to you know like minimize the damage and harm and be able to like catch people that will be affected by this yeah and i think also like something that i really get bothered by is how like people talk people like reference the maslow's hierarchy of needs like all the fucking time (laughs) um because like the like maslow's high is it Maslow? Is it or is it? I don't know. I, don't I think know. it's Maslow. Okay, I I was like, is it Maslow? Like I don't know, German yeah, I think or it's something. Maslow. Um, but like Maslow's hierarchy of needs talks about um, it's like this yeah like pyramid of like um needs and it's like um, at the bottom side it's like essential needs like kind of food shelter that kind of vibes and then like you get higher. Uh, basically it's like if one need is um uh, i guess fulfilled uh then you move on to the other need and the other need and the other need and it's at the top it's like self-actualization and like in the middle there's like community and things like that yeah and um a lot of people have pointed out that uh, in maslow's hierarchy of needs is actually really much kind of stolen or adapted from um indigenous like yeah uh, ideas about like needs and in the original not diagram but like uh like like in the original idea it's more like a circle rather than a pyramid and how like um because maslow's hierarchy of needs like um supports the argument that like if someone doesn't uh the way that people talk about it a lot is like if you don't have these basic needs then how can you even start like um craving for the other needs like how can you want community when you don't have your food and shelter how can you have how can you want to self-actualize if you don't have a community like or things like that and like um and the original idea which is a circle is that no you do want to have all of those needs at the same time and it's fine like to want those needs and actually uh, a lot of having one need first can have uh, can help you get to the other needs too and it doesn't have to be in this like specific order like because mm. uh, especially like with like community like obviously if you see community and find community they will help you get to shelter and food um or uh, but it can also lead you to self-actualization like um and it's just so annoying how everyone keeps using this that di- like a false diagram as like a way to be like oh no we can't like expect homeless people to want like good mental health because uh, they already lack food and shelter and it's and it's like no you have to address all of the needs like yeah like yeah holistically is a good way to put it um i fucking love the word holistically <laughs> i feel like sometimes i like find it cringy the way that a lot of people use it um or i don't know yeah (laughs) um yeah back to apocalypse one thing i did want to kind of talk about and we'll perhaps get into this a little bit more um when we do a podcast episode on ease but i did want to talk about how a lot of the ways in which i feel like 
you know, imagination really is this like critical process in approaching apocalypse because I think it allows us to move through the end of end of a world and be able to, you know, speak into existence and imagine a new one. Um, but feels, you know, more free and loving and all these different things. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of all that social justice is really is this process of imagination and being mm-hmm. able to imagine something that doesn't yet exist. Um, and what I feel like is really critical for imagination that is beyond just like literally thinking about what you want this new world to look like is trying to understand what we want this new world to feel like. And I think that the this space of breaks, the dogs were barking really loud. Yeah, we just waited for them to like chill. But Avalon was saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's also important to, you know, engage in practices in which you can, you know, really feel free and to be able to, like, not only, you know, think about what it would it mean to create a, feel, a free world and what would that look like, but very specifically, what does what does freedom feel like and how can we like embody it so that like we can like access this new world that we're creating now yeah and i think like like the nihilistic like people before that i was talking about are kind of trying to do that in some ways or some of them are like Mm -hmm. like when you're when it's like oh like don't worry about it's like little like anxieties like the world is gonna end text your crush like like yeah that is kind of a step towards ease and freedom like you know freedom away from these anxieties yeah and what i oh my god i can't not talk about my video essay but like (laughs) (laughs) um it's so narcissistic but um yeah what i was saying in my video essay was although that that kind of approach being like who cares is a little misguided it's really pointing to the fact that we all have this desire to feel free you know Mm -hmm. and like to really just like to exist in a world where we don't need to be constantly put into fight or flight mode that we don't need to constantly have our nervous system be so scared and fearful and overwhelmed and alert you know and so it's like I think what's really cool about that is that, like, this is a feeling that I think a lot of us have, and I think that we're all kind of collecting this, collectively feeling this desire for freedom, and I think that there's just ways in which we can, yeah, introduce practices of freedom while still working towards, you know, creating this new world and doing our part for that. Yeah, and I think, like, also, I'd like to acknowledge that um, when we say like imagining futures that don't exist yet, but at the same time, like I think a lot of people at this point have acknowledged that it's in a lot of ways it's not just imagining new practices and new worlds. It's like going back to the old world in a way, like indigenous practices and and, uh, and indigenous reindigenizing everything because it's not just like it's never been done before in some ways it's never been be- done before in the sense like um obviously indigenous practices before like didn't exist post-colonially but like um it's we are still like referencing um a lot of indigenous ways to imagine this new world 
Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's what's so interesting. And hopefully maybe we'll have a whole podcast talking about time and mm-hmm. all these different ways we're imagining it. But I think that that's what's really interesting, too, about this this present and being able to feel future and feel a future that is free in this present moment is that, like, we're also feeling, you know, the past in a lot of ways. And we're also recalling when not only when we will be free but when we were free you know and I think that like having those two things like coexist at once is really powerful yeah and I think obviously like as like since capitalism has existed for a long time colonialism has existed for a long time it's like difficult for people to remember that there was ever a time that we were free um is and I think when people you know refer to the olden days they're still talking about a very like capitalist like colonized time um but it's like it would be really freeing to just like remember that no the human um existence didn't always exist under colonialism and capitalism yeah and again even like bringing it full circle back to the concept of revealing or sorry uncovering um you know there's like very much um this idea in which like we're being like oh yeah like things weren't always like this you know Mm -hmm. and i think that like capitalism you know very specifically tries to make us feel like it has always been like this and it will always be like this and that like it is this almost like never-ending principle that consumes both past and future you know Mm -hmm. it is just like this is how it will always be and always was and i think that like what what apocalypse really does and why it creates the possibility for us to imagine new worlds is it reminds us and shows us in a multitude of ways that that is not true and it was not always like this and it will not always be like this yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. do you have anything else to say maybe that's a good note to end on i think it is a good note to end on yeah um do you want to check out yeah okay cool um well shelly <laughs> What is something that is bringing you joy lately? Um, hmm. I think, um, I think gossip has been (laughs) fun for me lately. Cause like, um, I just like, I don't know. I think like, um, one of the things, one of the things that we were severely lacking in the pandemic was gossip because nothing was happening you know like it's like oh like 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 you know people didn't have crushes on people people didn't like date a lot and like or there was no like parties and things like that and i think i've been noticing how as things are opening up slowly like um that there's a more like influx of gossip and I think I've been enjoying that and I wasn't and and I hasn't and I wasn't like it was like something that I wasn't anticipating the return of because it's uh, like with along with everything else um and I don't mean like bad gossip about people yeah like it's just like it's like fun to hear about how like my friends are dating or like uh, having crushes or like um uh, or like, uh, you know, uh, asking me how they should act around their crush and things like that. And um, it's really fun. And uh, also I learned the other day from a TikTok that like, um, that was talking about Chismosa culture, um, which is like, like a gossiper, I think. Um, and like, um, this, th- this specifically was talking about like Filipina Chismosa culture. And like, they were talking about how like, uh, 
um, in the Philippines, there can be no serial killers because if you do something bad, the whole town will know somehow because of chismosa culture. Dude, no. <laughs> But that's what's so, like, almost radical about gossip in a lot of ways, because yeah. it's been so villainized, but it is it a really like, important tool, and yeah. to be able to, like, spread information to a community in a really mm. fast and effective way. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, used to that's so prevent a lot of bad things, specifically, I think it, like, protects women a lot of the times, yeah. um, you know, like, I feel like we've always or like gossip about like rapists and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Know? I was gonna say like we. I feel like we've all had that experience where like even if like um, uh, in a like an abuser or assaulter like around us hasn't been like um, like arrested or anything. Like I feel like we we've all had experience where we're like warned about them and then maybe you even see them in real life and then you're uh, you like know to avoid them because of what you heard. Yeah, um, and I think that's really valuable. And it's like important information that yeah. needs to be shared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I've been. I don't know. It's been nice to. Uh, it's. I. I mean, I also say this, and it's also like the reason why I'm enjoying gossip is also because there's no no gossip happening in my life right now. So that's like a fun part of it too. And maybe it wouldn't be as fun if I was part of it. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, what is bringing you joy lately? Um, I was like, I don't know. I feel like I couldn't think of one, but um, I s- settled on watching or hate watching Never Have I Ever <laughs> with you. I think that that's been bringing me joy. Yeah, because I feel like it's also a show I couldn't watch by myself in a way because I feel like there is like a collective funness in hate watching, and it's oh, not yeah. even like hate watching. I don't hate the show, but like. It's just, like, so cringe, and the, like, character makes such questionable decisions mm-hmm. that you're just, like, it's really fun to just, like, scream at the TV and be like, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd love, like, just, like, trying to, like, tell off the yeah, character. Yeah, be like, why are you doing or, this? Or, like, I love, like, predicting the next thing that's gonna happen, and then it actually happening, and things like that. Um, it's, it's really funny. Yeah, and I haven't finished it. I mean, you have finished it, but I haven't. <laughs> hate yeah. <laughs> um but yeah never have it ever season two has been a wild ride so far mini yeah. killing is kind of cray cray but yeah yeah actually um our roommate was telling me that uh uh that they know a lot about like mindy kaling's like writing style and how that's it's like a literal like it's just like kind of this like mechanism that she repeats in a lot of shows like it's I if it you, has worked for her um yeah, no, I don't mean that it's, like, bad, but it's just, like, right. kind of funny to, like, uh, uh, well, it's definitely kind of uncreative, maybe, and also it's, it's like, funny to, like, notice all of the, like, similarities between, like, some of the episodes that she did in The Office or, like, The Mindy Project and, like, Never Have I Ever, how there's, like, so many similarities. Um, apparently, like, a consistent thing is, like, in her memoir, she, talk, she talks about how she has, like she always has crushes on like specifically jewish guys and how like that is like a very consistent thing in all of her shows really funny i know because like ben is like a jewish guy and then like um and like in the mindy project like her love interest is also a jewish guy and how that's like a thing um and apparently a lot like 
is in like interracial marriages between um like Indian women and Jewish guys is like a specifically common one for some That's reason. That's hilarious. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, because also then I was like thinking about how like in New Girl, Schmidt and Cece are the same pairing. That's so interesting. I know. It's just like why and i kind of like want to look into this like why but also maybe i don't know maybe it's like problematic <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, like maybe there's no real reason i don't know yeah, yeah maybe it's just it'd be like that yeah i mean i do think that like um of all whiteness like sometimes you can find similarities in judaism to like uh POC, like how growing up in POC families be like. I don't know. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't like evolve whiteness, I mean. Like, you know, it's just like, it's like maybe it can find more like relatable things. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. If you got to this point, you're a rock star. <laughs> and, anyways, yeah, peace out. Peace Bye. Out. Bye. Thank you. Oh.